The judge provides a deadline for the prosecutors in the Brian Koberger case. The Delphi lawyer situation is getting very interesting. I will explain. Caitlin Armstrong learns in her trial how anything you say can and will be used against you at your trial. A weird case in Florida where a man dumps his husband's dead body in the apartment where they meet others for relationships. A no true bill or no indictment for a blind man accused of breaking a woman's neck and then our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining me. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment. Hit that little bell so we can get back in the good graces of YouTube and Facebook for their algorithm. And remember, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Just simply type in Crime Talk with Scott Reich. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for November 9th, 2023. And first on the docket, we brought you this news last night because it kind of broke last night on our live show. Normally we do it on a Tuesday, but we had to schedule it for last night. Anyway, the uh, judge in the Prime Koberger matter has issued an order stating that the state shall, and that shall is very important in the legal world because a shall means you shall do it. No exceptions, not a please. Will you try to get it done? You may do this. It's a shall. And uh, the court states the state shall provide to the court no later than December 1st all of the IgG material pertaining to this case that is in the possession of the FBI and the private laboratory the state contracted with. Now, of course, the judge says unless the state can demonstrate some good cause for an extension of time, you got to turn it over kind of wishy-washy there at the end, but you get the gist. Turn over all of the genealogical information that the prosecution and the FBI relied upon to develop their DNA profile as it relates to Mr. Koberger's father, which ultimately led to Brian Koberger. They're entitled to it. I said it a long time ago when it was requested. Prosecution should have turned it over. I don't know why we're playing games with this. It just delays the trial. As you know, we were supposed to start trial on October 2nd in the Brian Koberger matter. And well, we have it. Whether it was tactical reasons or they wanted to have this information, the defense has waived speedy trial. And so we have no date as of yet. Next on the docket, this Delphi, Indiana case. All right. It is getting very, very interesting. And let me tell you why. As you may recall, the attorneys for Richard Allen were kicked off because the judge didn't like the uh, attorneys, thought they were maybe being a little too aggressive and thought that they had committed gross negligence. Never seen anything like that before in my life and kicked them off. The attorneys then said, hey, I want to come back and represent Mr. Allen Pro Se. We have a great attorney-client relationship and, you know, we got a great defense and we need to get him out of custody because he's deteriorating rather quickly. And so we don't want to waive his right to speedy trial. Judge says, oh, hell no, gives Mr. Allen two new attorneys. The attorneys that were originally on the case file an extraordinary writ to the Indiana Supreme Court. And the Indiana Supreme Court has ordered that the Delphi judge, in this case, Judge Francis Gull, has to provide the transcript of the in-chambers proceeding that took place on October 19th when Richard Allen's attorneys say they were 
they were coerced to resign by the judge. Now, obviously, we know Richard Allen is accused of killing Libby German and Abby Williams back in February of 2017. And as part of the Indiana Supreme Court's order, it gives Judge Gull until November 16th to provide the in-chambers transcript or provide a response as to why she does not want to provide that transcript. Now, I can't see why a district court judge would not provide a transcript of the proceeding to the Indiana Supreme Court. She's going to do it. She really needs to. Anyway, uh, apparently Judge Gull has uh, responded with a filing asking the Indiana Supreme Court for an extension until November 27th to respond to the transcript request. As part of that, she also wants until November 27th to respond to Richard Allen's attorney's request that she be removed from the case and um, Richard Allen's original attorneys be reinstated on the case. Now, Judge Gull cites needing more time because the Indiana Attorney General's office has declined to represent her and she's had to hire her own attorney to defend the writ of mandamus against her. Now, this is very interesting and this is why I think it gets really good. Normally, if you are a judge and you are alleged to have committed some misconduct or there's some issue that needs to go to a higher court, the judge doesn't write these briefs themselves. The attorney general's office represents the judge, just like the attorney general office represents uh, people that are in political positions, appointees, and uh, they're entitled to have representation. So it's very odd to me that the judge is not getting represented by the attorney general's office in this particular case. Is it because the attorney general's office believes that the judge has committed some misconduct that they cannot represent her, that she kind of went outside of her official duties as a judge? I really don't know. And you know, I don't like to speculate, but I've never seen anything like this before where a judge kicks off an attorney for zealously representing your client. Even if you think there was a violation of a protection order, as somehow it's alleged that some photos got out. I don't know. I haven't seen the photos, so apparently it wasn't a great mass dissemination of the crime scene photos. And when you read the brief, obviously a lot of work went into the motion challenging the search warrant. And frankly, whether you like it or not, you, you got to let them argue it in court. Did the judge kick them off because there was truly some gross negligence? I was looking through the ethics rules, and I've, I can't find anything that specifically addresses this issue. Even if the attorneys were going to be sanctioned, if Mr. Richard Allen wants them to be their attorney, it's a waivable conflict. I'm, I, I'm just not sure what's going on, but I think we'll wait and see. But I think the judge may have overstepped her bounds here just a little bit and possibly, and possibly affected the rights of Richard Allen. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I think the old attorneys may be getting back on this case and we may be getting a new judge. Like I said, we'll have to wait and see. And like I said, you know, the attorneys representing Mr. Allen are asking the court to uh, not grant any extension. And they're arguing that Allen uh, is deteriorating in state prison and wants to go to trial as soon as possible. They also say that Judge Gull knew in advance this writ of mandamus and transcript request was coming. It gave her ample time for her to get an attorney and to prepare a response. Now, the Indiana Public Defenders Council is also weighing in on this writ of mandamus, filing a brief addressing the importance of the independence of appointed counsel, especially as it relates to the removal and replacement of counsel. Uh, because Judges aren't supposed to do that if they think that somebody's zealously representing their client. 
making life tough for the judge or the prosecutors or the police in the case, well, that's kind of what how the system is supposed to work. And you can't take the attorneys off just because you don't like them. If the judge thinks these attorneys did something wrong, she should file a grievance against them. Don't take them off the case. A little surprising. Anyway, uh, Allen's civil attorneys um, filed this brief to ensure that going forward, Mr. Allen receives his fundamental right to counsel. And as you may recall, in previous shows that we talked about, Mr. Allen's attorneys, the ones were kicked off, have offered to stay on the case pro bono, free of charge. They feel that passionately about that. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, new appointed counsel is set and a trial uh, date is supposed to be uh, 70 days from the issuance of the writ of mandamus. We'll see if that takes place. Uh, the new uh, attorneys were appointed on October 31st and um, Judge Gull even stated that to Mr. Allen that she says, I cannot and I will not allow these attorneys to represent you. She then disqualified the previous attorneys even though they, like I said, wanted to do it pro bono. The judge has never described exactly what gross negligence uh, they are alleged of committing other than the photos possibly being released, but that was somebody that was in the office. But I'm not sure how that affects the representation of Mr. Allen. So the uh, two new attorneys uh, for Mr. Allen were appointed, a guy by the name of William Labrado and Robert Scremen. Um, and they've asked the judge to push the trial back, obviously because they need to be prepared if they are going to remain on the case. Now, the uh, case was originally set for January of 2024 for a trial, but that now has been pushed back to October 15th of 2024. All right, next on the docket, the Caitlin Armstrong matter. Yes, we say this all the time. It is always the defendant's own words that get them. That's why it is so imperative to keep your mouth shut if you are a defendant. And if you're not a defendant, and maybe if you're thinking about plotting to do something, and we certainly are not encouraging anyone to break the law, but don't go around telling people what you are going to do. Because some people have this fallacy to believe that the only statement that they ever can have used against them in court is something that they said to the police. No. It is anything the defendant says to anyone is an admission by a party opponent, means it comes in at trial against them. Still has to meet the relevancy requirement, and it still has to meet the prejudicial effect. But if you say, for example, allegedly, as Miss Caitlin Armstrong did, that you would kill somebody, guess what? That's relevant, and it's coming in. So the murder trial of the woman accused of killing pro cyclist Mo Wilson took a bit of a turn yesterday when two witnesses testified that the suspect told them she would kill Wilson if the cyclist dated her boyfriend. Both the witnesses said they independently contacted police after they learned of Wilson's murder. And um, obviously, as we've talked about, Caitlin Armstrong is on trial and has pled not guilty to the murder back in May of 2022, which was the shooting death of Miss Wilson. Now, police have said that Wilson had previously dated Armstrong's boyfriend, a guy by the name of Colin Strickland, who was also a competitive cyclist and had gone swimming with him hours before she was gunned down. Now, two of Armstrong's former friends, okay, friends, took the stand, including a woman by the name of Nicole Mertz, who lived in Austin and knew Armstrong through the cycling community. Well, Miss Mertz, who said she considered Armstrong to be one of her best friends, 
testified that Armstrong and Strickland loved each other and were very close, but it was also kind of off and on. Mertz then recalled an evening she spent with Miss Armstrong at an Austin restaurant, and the restaurant was called The Meteor, and at which time Armstrong revealed that she was upset because Wilson was in town visiting her boyfriend, Strickland. At one point, Miss Mertz said that Armstrong became visibly angry when she saw Wilson walk into the restaurant. When Mertz asked Miss Armstrong what she would do if Strickland started dating, Mertz testified that Armstrong responded, I would kill her. Now, Mertz says uh, she later found out about Wilson's death through a news article, and then she contacted police because she had a feeling and thought it was the right thing to do. And then Armstrong's uh, former friend, Jacqueline Chastine, testified that she met Armstrong back in January of 2022 at a restaurant in Arkansas. Chastine testified that Armstrong told her that after Strickland and Wilson dated, Strickland allegedly told Wilson he was back together with Miss Armstrong, but Wilson would not leave him alone. Well, Armstrong said in so many words that she wanted to kill Wilson or had thought about killing her, according to Miss Chastine. Now, Chastine testified that months later she called the police the day after hearing of Wilson's death and anonymously made a report uh, to the police. She said she ultimately agreed to come forward and testify on the record because it's the right thing to do. As I said, anything you say can and will be used against you, ladies and gentlemen. When you are a defendant, anything you say is admitted under the hearsay exception as an admission by a party opponent. Whatever the defendant says is not hearsay. Next, a weird one down in Florida. Let's kill our husband and drop the body off at their little S&M bondage area that they have to meet other people, because that happens every day, right? Well, the uh, a Florida apartment where a man is alleged to have uh, stashed his husband's body after drugging him and then ultimately strangling him to death, uh, apparently was the couple's sex dungeon for meeting up with strangers that they met online. So Timothy Smith was found uh, dead and dumped at the apartment in Ocala, Florida, after being killed, allegedly, at his primary home in what police believe to be a plot orchestrated by the husband, Herbert Swilly. Why, you may say, to collect the $333,000 life insurance payout. It's always about the money, ladies and gentlemen. Well, needless to say, the dead husband was found naked with a broken neck with about uh, 30 times the recommended dose of antihistamine in his system back on March of this year. Now, it took five months for the uh, handyman, Mr. Swilly, uh, to be named as the prime suspect in Mr. Smith's death. He was finally arrested and charged with first-degree murder and evidence tampering back on November 1st. Now, Swilly is accused of killing his husband of seven years and then uh, at their main home, and then taking the body to the two-bedroom sex den, and then staging a fake crime scene. Now, the probable cause affidavit prepared by the uh, sheriff's office states that the pair had the home in Central Florida, a uh, primary residence where they lived with their daughter, and the 800-square-foot uh, apartment was their little sex den. Now, the detective who wrote the affidavit uh, stated that the uh, primary residence which they lived, as well as the secondary residence uh, where the victim was located. And the detective states that uh, he learned it was reported the purpose of the secondary residence was to 
for the couple to engage in a uh, sexual acts with other individuals. The detective said uh, in the affidavit, when he entered the premises, he went into the bedroom where Smith's body was lying. There was a dresser on the left wall along with some sexual lubricant. The uh, officers observed a bed in the center, absent bedding except a fitted sheet atop of a leather bondage restraint. The uh, officers also observed when they entered the bedroom uh, that the uh, residence contained a massage table, a freestanding chain swing, and a toolbox filled with various toys and implements utilized for bondage and other sex-related practices. Well, the detective noted that uh, they then taped an interview with Mr. Squilly, who told him the apartment was obtained for the purpose of sex with other parties, that they would meet on social media. What's the big deal? And said, hey, we were in an open relationship. This apparently happens all the time. Now, Mr. Smith was an executive at an assisted living home in Orlando, uh, was on the floor to the right of the bed in the supine position with his arms and legs slightly spread. Uh, the officer also noted that the victim was clothed in a tank top and shoes, wearing no pants or underwear. The uh, detective also noted a, a dark ligature mark around the neck uh, with no ligature nearby. Ooh, man, if you're going to choke somebody out with a ligature and make it look like it was a sex thing gone bad, you probably want to leave the ligature apparatus there. Just note to self, I guess. Anyway, the uh, writer of the affidavit also noted that there was a facial and a trauma to the genital area. The detective said that Mr. Squilly's behavior since his partner's death has been contradictory with that of a grieving spouse. Eh, not really sure that makes you a murderer. And uh, when Mr. Squilly was uh, told of a body that had been found, the detective wrote there was no visible emotional reaction. Uh, and when interviewed, the defendant was void of any visible sadness or despair and joked about uh, actually getting to ride in a police car. Uh, at the alleged crime scene uh, in the sex den, the officers wrote, the defendant described the victim's practice of meeting men from applications as unsafe in nature. However, Mr. Smith's cell phone was analyzed, and uh, this included a review of social dating applications the victim was purported to use to meet men and other men. The data did not show any established meetup at the time of the victim's death, according to the detective. And the detective also wrote that he learned of a historical physical violence reported by a person whose name was redacted, but specifically that the victim had been with uh, bruises and black eyes after altercations with the defendant. The victim was described as the breadwinner and the defendant never, quote, pulled it all together. It's also stated in the affidavit that Mr. Smith would have been extremely drowsy, uh, if awake at all, with an extremely high dose of 2,000 nanograms per milliliter of that antihistamine, a component of an allergy remedy known to make users drowsy if uh, they exceed the prescribed amounts. The detective also said it's a reasonable conclusion that uh, Swilly dosed his husband and killed him at their primary residence via strangulation, breaking his neck, and then moved him to the uh, Smith's white jeep to the second uh, apartment where they uh, generated a mock crime scene. Now, Mr. Swilly denied that there were any marital problems, saying they enjoyed riding motorcycles together in their leaguers or time. And the police have claimed that Smith was a domestic abuse victim and was planning to move abroad. Swilly was also the beneficiary of the spousal life insurance policy and stood to benefit from the death of the deceased. Apparently, the defendant also has a history of insurance claims and was report reported to not be able to afford the residence without the victim. 
and the victim was planning to start a new job and leave, which would further complicate the defendant's financial situation. Mr. Swilly was named as the prime suspect in August, the same day he posted a happy anniversary message on Facebook. It read, quote, to my very loving husband, I know you are up there looking down on us. You will always be in our heart and thoughts. Yes, yes, and you will daily. Obviously, we'll give uh, Mr. Swilly the presumption of innocence. I mean, who's to say the guy didn't have a burner phone? Maybe the guy, somebody met him, took the burner phone away. I don't know. Doesn't seem like the strongest case, but we'll watch it. Anyway, next on the docket, a no true bill in a weird murder accident case. That's right. When the grand jury, when the grand jury says no indictment, it's a no true bill. That's very, very rare. All right. And in this particular case in Ohio, this Ohio grand jury has declined to return an indictment against a man accused of killing his longtime girlfriend sitting on her head and breaking her neck. Once again, that happens every day, doesn't it? Anyway, this grand jury in Hamilton County on Monday chose to uh, have a no true bill for murder charges against James Tootman uh, a day after he was arrested and charged with first-degree murder for the slaying of his girlfriend, Jenny Russell, Despite the grand jury's reluctance to bring the charges against Mr. Toothman, who is legally blind, the uh, prosecutor said they are not done with this case just yet. The case was ignored by the grand jury today, the uh, prosecutor stated, and uh, however, this matter is still under investigation. Charges can be refiled if appropriate based upon a continuing investigation, according to the uh, prosecutor. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, that is super rare. The grand jury must have said, are you kidding me? We're not even going to indict this ham sandwich. Very, very unusual. All right. So anyway, how did this come about? Apparently in this uh, town in Ohio called uh, Shavoit, if I pronounce that correctly, C-H-E-V-I-O-T, Shavoit, Shavat. Anyway, the police department firefighters uh, showed up um, on a call with an unresponsive woman at an apartment complex. The uh, first responders found Miss Russell face down on a couch in the living room, and she ultimately died later at the hospital. Officers said while at the home, they overheard uh, Tootman make an unsolicited comment, admission by a party opponent, comment about Russell's death being his fault because he sat on her head. Now, a nurse at the uh, hospital where Russell was taken also told police that she heard Mr. Toothman uh, saying he sat on her. Well, the Hamilton County Coroner's Office, who observed Russell's body, uh, reportedly told detectives that the victim appeared to have a broken neck. Police alleged that Toothman purposely killed Russell. Uh, Toothman and uh, Russell had a history of domestic violence, with each having been arrested multiple times over um, an extended period of time with multiple incidents. Doesn't mean that Mr. Toothman, who's blind, sat on her neck and killed her. Once again, that seems like kind of a stretch to me. I could think of a lot of different ways. It'd probably be a little more effective. And finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. A 19-year-old man has been arrested after attacking and carjacking a Lyft driver in North Miami. Now, Jeremiah Vedner Charles, so Mr. Charles of North Miami, ordered a ride via Lyft. After he arrived at his destination, Mr. Charles began to punch the driver in the head, arm, and stomach, and then the driver told the police that she quickly got out of the car to avoid being hit any further. Mr. Charles got out 
through the rear passenger door and then ran around to get into the driver's seat. The woman said that uh, he then fled the scene in her white 2017 Toyota Corolla. Well, guess what? Didn't take long. Detectives submitted a uh, subpoena to Lyft to retrieve the victim's records for the date and time of the incident. Pretty standard, right? Police were then able to obtain Mr. Charles' phone number and account information because he ordered the lift. Now, according to the police reports, the victim went to the police station uh, Thursday and identified Mr. Charles in a photo lineup, which is, once again, routine. And then police then responded to the home to arrest Mr. Charles. And guess what they found sitting in Mr. Charles' uh, uh, vicinity of his house? The car. Well, Mr. Charles was taken into custody. Of course, he's denied taking a lift that day at all and denied having any involvement in the carjacking whatsoever. Well, regardless uh, of his denials, he was arrested and charged with one count of robbery, a.k.a. carjacking. Mr. Charles, um, I've said it once, I'll say it again. We do not encourage people to commit crime. Crime is bad. It would be great if, as a criminal defense attorney, I never was needed. But... If you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, what is it with Lyft drivers and the Uber driver yesterday, the guy said he was gonna go rob the store. This guy takes his phone. You might as well have just said, I'm going to carjack you and here's my driver's license. All right, this little phone, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatest witness against you. Don't take it to a crime scene. But we're glad you do, because then you get caught. All right, thanks for watching. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.